Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome to your partner in success radio, the Closers Inner Circle podcast with Ben Gay III and me, Denise Griffiths. And we are opening up the Closers Part 2 to page 119, The Better Resolution. Because your customers don't know your products or your services as well as you do, they frequently don't ask the right questions. And as a result, what they think you want and what they really need are often in conflict. I run into this all the time in my web development company. This disconnect stems stems from the fact that customers might only have a surface level understanding of what you're offering based on their limited exposure or their preconceived notions. And effective communication plays a really pivotal role here. So engaging with your customers in meaningful conversations allows you to uncover their underlying needs, even those they might might not be aware of. So by asking probing questions and actively listening, we've talked about this, you and, and I, Ben, you can peel back the layers of their initial requests and get to the heart of their challenges. Ben, as I mentioned earlier, I am losing my voice, so you're doing all the talking. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Denise will jump in and out, but we've had to restart three or four times because she's really suffering this morning with allergies and what have you, for which I sympathize because I was born with hay fever and various things and have never had a day without them, no matter where. Some areas are worse than others. The South is worse. California is somewhat better, but I deal with it all the time. So uh, Denise is being kind to you and sensitive uh, and and maybe overreacting a little bit because I'm I'm used to sneezing all the time myself. Yeah, funny thing, Denise, I have sneezing fits that go on uh, sometimes 15 or 20 sneezes. I apologize to Gigi when we're just the two of us in bed or whatever. I apologize once and say I won't apologize for the next several that are coming. But in 5,000 paid appearances and probably 5,000 free appearances in prisons and churches and so on, uh, I have never once sneezed in front of an audience or had one of those attacks. So uh, maybe that's the cure for hay fever, get in front of 10,000 people and it all works out. I had a sneezing attack this morning. It scared you out of it. You didn't dare. Yeah. I had a sneezing attack this morning, a couple hours ago. And uh, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I've got the show with Denise to do and so on. As soon as I put on the headset and sat down, end of problem. 
Now, having told that story, I'll probably have a sneezing fit, <laughs> but I never have up to now. It must be something that kicks in when you're presenting or speaking or what have you. Well, my voice has been going for a couple of days now. Of course, we're in hurricane season, which just, I'm not normally prone to allergies, but I've been coughing and just doing an awful lot of coffee and it just ruins my voice. But when you're talking about sneezing, I have a little, she's a, a foster fail cat. She's an 18 year old cat that came to me from Mississippi and I was not going to rehome her again. She had to stay. I mean, I've rehomed her brother, her sons actually, because they were only about 10 years old and I found them a home within the family, so to speak, but she stayed and she sneezes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, bless you. And she'll sneeze at me. I said, bless you, for you have sinned. And she sneezes on me again. So <laughs> apparently she doesn't like that part of it. But you reminded me of my little cat. So we are talking today, <clears throat> excuse me, about the better resolution. And when I mentioned that, you know, I have conversations with my web clients, you know, they'll come to me and they just know they want me to copy what somebody else is doing or they want this or that and the other. And as we go through the consultation you know, process, they didn't need but maybe a fraction of what they thought they needed, and they needed something altogether different. So it's important to talk to your people, listen to them, and really dig deep to find out what it is that they actually need. Absolutely. And a lot of that comes from experiences. This is a little bit off. Uh, as an example, but I always think of it, Hugh Harris, my good friend who now in Ringgold, Georgia, runs two of the most popular restaurants ever in that part of Georgia and maybe in the South, Farm to Fork and Baby Huey's, named after himself, Baby Huey's, which is a little more casual place. But he, he made his spurs and I met him in the home improvement business and we trained his people uh, to, you know, how they approach the house. And once they went out to start measuring, understand that you're being watched from the window. So you measure carefully and you make notes and, and so on. But Hugh and his more experienced people used to say they could drive up in your driveway, glance at the house, don't have to see the back. The, the back is like the front, oversimplified. Uh, glance at your house, and Hugh said, I can tell within a bag of nails what you need, but we have to go through the dance, you know, asking questions, listening carefully, what can they afford, uh, what do they really want done, and so on, while guiding them away from uh, stupid decisions based on ignorance of that particular industry. If you re-roof your house once every 25 years, you don't have a lot of experience in roofing. If you've never replaced your windows, you, you have zero experience in window replacement and siding and doors and, and uh, so on all over the house. But they have to go through the gentle art of presenting the better resolution, even though they knew it when they pulled up in the driveway. He, he would look at something and go, that's $50,000. Now we're down to, you don't have 50000 What would you like to take off the project? Are the windows more important or are this more important or so on? 
but the experience comes in handy. Now, the trick is not to let the experience be too intimidating. In other words, you want to guide them to the, to the proper resolution, to a better resolution, without making them feel ignorant, with, without you uh, looking arrogant. And part of that is covered by those of you who have your Closers Part 2 books. I encourage you to reread. I would encourage you to read it at least once a month for the rest of your sales career. Sales Infiltration. Uh, starting on page 257, the best thing ever written about selling, not only by me, by anybody. It finally nailed exactly what a master closer, sales infiltrator is, does, and how to be one. And buried in that chapter is things like the better resolution, where you explain to your customer that you can be straight, straight with them. That means they be straight with you, you be straight with them. You're going to treat them fairly, squarely, decently by the rules. And in this one little area, they might be a nuclear physicist or something, or a heart surgeon, all of which they would know more than you know. But in this one little area of home improvement, for instance, uh, roofing, siding, windows, uh, doors, etc., you are the resident expert. So I want to, so that gives you freedom to say almost anything to almost anybody because you get them to agree that that's the best way to go forward. So when they want 1,500 of something and they only need 700 and you don't need a new enemy, uh, you have now permission to say, you know, as we discussed, I'll be straight with you and you be straight with me. You don't need 1,500 of those in website development. You don't need that feature. It's confusing and nobody likes it. Nobody uses it anyway. What you need is A, B, C, D. Let's keep it simple. As Fred Herman, the great sales trainer, said years ago, Keep it simple, salesman. Today, you would say salesperson. But keep it simple, salesman. Get And get permission to keep it simple so that you can use your expertise to guide them in the right direction. This chapter is only about two pages long, two and a half. So I'm going to pick up where you left off, Denise, and just share the rest of them since I know all of our listeners don't have the closers part two which you should. Uh, the next paragraph says, why should you, the professional salesperson, uh, what should you do when the uh, conflict arises? Should you let the customer buy what he or, thinks, he or she thinks they need just to get the sale? Or should you jeopardize the entire sale by trying to redirect them to the product or service that will provide the real benefits he or she wants? Because of the, because the way the questions are phrased, the proper and ethical answer is evident. But how should you do that out in the real world while trying to put the kids through college, meaning you got to make sales? First, remember that the true sales professional always takes the long view and does what is best for the customer. As in the closers, some tertius, I am third after God and the other fellow, the way I usually say it now is uh, my God first, the other fellow second, I am third, but the same message. 
because in addition to the obvious moral question, when he or she discovers the error, and they always will, he will blame it on you as well he should. Now, let me pause here for a second. What I try and build with every customer, sometimes our interaction is so brief and insignificant, I may never hear from them again, but you never know. So I treat them all the same because I have clients and friends and customers who I first dealt with 60 years ago, and I'm still dealing with them today. I don't have a name popped in my mind, but I guarantee you there's somebody this week we're recording this on a Wednesday, somebody this week that I talked to, that I first talked to 50 or 60 years ago, and they're still a customer. They still trust me. Remember, people buy from people they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe. So always guard that. That's the long-term relationship is far more important. I bought a Cadillac from a guy one time. Maybe the first one might have been a Lincoln Continental, um, but I had a person selected to handle our business. Uh, bought one Lincoln or Cadillac from him. He treated me fairly, squarely, decently by the rules. He gave me a good deal and so on. And then as head of a big company that gave away cars and other prizes. I bought the next over 300 luxury cars from him until the day he retired. And then I swapped over to another person and bought the next 300 or so luxury cars from him. So they were, if they had looked at me as a one-time customer, load the car up with a bunch of stuff I didn't need, sell it to me at manufacturer's suggested retail, I would never have bought the second car, never mind the 300th car. So I don't know if he was that astute to know, to look that far down the road, or he was just a good person. But the end result was 300 cars instead of one. Instead of a very happy customer who's talking about that many years later, instead of one unhappy customer who says, you know, well, if you're going to get a car, at least don't deal with this dealership. And God forbid, if so-and-so is still there, don't deal with him. So that, that's the difference. Take, take a look down the road. So the book says, what's the solution? Suggest that he or she simply consider an optional course of action. Don't forget that you're a counselor. You're on his side. Together, slowly discover that there is an even better alternative. While his solution was certainly good, customers are never wrong, even when they are, the two of you have been able to improve it. The way I explain that in sales infiltration is most salespeople consider themselves on team A, and they are confronting the enemy on team B, the enemy being the customer. The customer assumes he's on team A and uh, views you as a liar, cheat, and thief. That's how most sales relationships start out if there's any significant dollars involved. The trick is to develop team C in which you both have a 50% interest and you're both working together to solve the problem that he either had 
or that you and he or she decided they had. Sometimes you have to point out the problem before they have a fever to solve it. And that's Team C. You both have a 50% interest in solving the joint problem that you have. Now you understand the roles. He or she, the customer, is the final decision maker. They're the CEO of uh, Team C. You, however, are the resident expert on this particular subject. Whatever product or service you're selling, you are the resident expert. And if you develop sales abilities, persuasion abilities, you should be able to guide the CEO to a good decision, good for both of you. And uh, sometimes that means for a salesperson taking a little hit this time to still be dealing with that customer 300 or 600 cars later. I've from time to time have done, I don't want to, I don't need to win on every deal. I don't need to win in every conversation. I want to have a high batting. You can get in the Hall of Fame in baseball with a 300 batting average. That means you you strike out or thrown out or whatever more than two out of every three times. So I wouldn't settle for that low an average uh, in the sales world. But it's important to remember you're not going to win them all. I've given, I'm guessing, 100,000 sales presentations looking somebody in the eye, not counting group presentations in front of 15 or 20,000 people, but one-on-one. -on -one. And nowadays, more of that on uh, Zoom or the computer, email, or what have you. But the, the batting average has stayed the same. 86% of the time I ask for the order, I get it. My closing rate is 86%. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, unless you realize it means 14,000 times somebody listened to my entire presentation and all my comebacks and rebuttals and whatever was necessary and said, no, final, no, that happens. At that moment, I must decide, do I let my ego get in the way or do I look down the road knowing this is not the last widget he's going to buy? He or she in their life, you know, people, automobile business. I don't know. I can't sell cars. Well, that's sort of stupid, isn't it? Everybody with 16 or older has a car. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not much, even if it's a jalopy. So they have a car. If you meet them in their 20s, they've had three or four or five cars. If they live a healthy, long life, they're going to buy another 20, 25 cars uh, before they're done. So your job is to sell the car today and failing that, maintain the relationship so that you can sell the next fill in the blank, 5, 10, 15, 20, or 300 cars. Done properly, you're back to the book, done properly, your customer will welcome the new answer to his problem because he or she worked it out with you, a recognized expert in the field. And he really did make the final decision because you let him compare the original solution with the new solution, coming to the obvious answer uh, on his or her own. So you allow or so you allow him to think. And that's not something sneaky and devious. Uh, it's, you know, when Gigi and I go out to dinner, one of us is trying to con the other one into where we're going to go. 
we happen to like three or four restaurants just about equally. We we like them. We know the owners and so on. But sometimes I'm not in the mood for fill in the blank or she's not in the mood for fill in the blank. And I'll watch her go to work. Uh, and it's really cute. Starts about an hour before we leave. And she begins maneuvering me into thinking that going to a restaurant I hadn't thought of that night is a wonderful idea. And that's what a good salesperson can do with a customer, so long as it's being done openly and honestly. Uh, back to the book. Now you must solidify the deal by congratulating him or her on the wise decision. Give him full credit for having been wise enough to see the proper way to gain the benefits he or she was seeking. They are indeed a very smart business person or very smart business people. By the way, this teamwork approach in selling is absolutely critical if the better solution is priced higher than the original choice. If But if it wasn't his or her idea to change his mind, they may assume you were just trying to bump the order up for a fatter commission check. So the next time one of your customers makes an error in judgment or is about to, don't just take the order and run and resist the temptation to show him that you are right and he is, and resist the temptation to show him that you are right and he is stupid. <laughs> Simply guide him ever so gently to a much wiser course of action. Here's the side benefit of all that. We're out of the book now. Uh, here's the side benefit to all that. When it's their decision, when they come to the resolution, they swear by it, they love it, they fall in love with it. While it's still your idea, then uh, the uh, it's suspect. Uh, why is he forcing me into this? Why is she trying to make me do this and so on? Must be a fat commission check. And remember, I repeat, the J. Douglas Edwards, uh, I quoted him in the book I wrote for him, Sales Closing Power. J. Douglas Edwards, the great old sales trainer, said, if you have a built-in objection, bring it up first and brag about it. Well, early in all of my presentations that I think are going to be significant, I, I don't go into all of this, I'm writing down an order for somebody who wants two books, but if it could be potentially a significant sale, uh, I bring up the built-in objection when I'm a salesperson, and that is I'm a liar, cheat, and thief. All salespeople are in the customer's minds. If I say used car salesperson, you have a picture instantly in your mind of somebody in a loud, cheap sport coat standing on a lot surrounded by piles of junk saying, tell you what I'm going to do. Well, all, not even most, used car salespeople are fine people and honest and decent, and they don't deliberately put junk on their lots. Or if they do, they're known as the junk car lot. In other words, yes, our cars are not what you wish you were driving, but you can't afford to drive what you wish you were driving. So if you need an $1,800 car, you've come to the right place. If you've got $150,000 in your pocket for a new car, I, as an honest salesperson, would tell you not to waste your money with me. 
you could buy the whole lot for that amount and you don't need a whole lot of crappy cars. But then they remember you. When I say I'm still dealing with people from 50 and 60 years ago because I treated them properly, they're not buying the same product from me today that they were buying in the beginning. And in the middle, there have been numerous changes on their part and my part. They're not buying or selling what they were doing back then. I'm not buying or selling what I was doing back then. But what we've maintained is the relationship. I've tried with all of my customers to be the go-to guy. I have people that call me and ask about products and services that I've never sold and probably never will sell. But they know that Ben Gay will treat them fairly decently, uh, fairly squarely by the rules and uh, won't jerk them around to make an extra $200 or an extra $2,000 or what have you. And it pays long term. If you're just starting out in the business, some of the things I'm talking about may take a while to manifest. You'll feel good about it the first day, but you're not going to sell the, the second car to that person the next day. What you're going to do is build the relationship. And then, so you can sell a car the next day based on that relationship, you start asking for referrals. I treated you well. I promise you I will treat your friends, neighbors, and relatives well. Here's what I do for a living. I sell widgets. So please, whenever, and give them some business cards to put in their pocket. I know the modern people all say put in your phone. That's fine. I go through tens of thousands of business cards, even more if I'm doing big seminars in a given month. Tens of thousands of business cards every month. So I've gotten to the point where people go, well, how do you prospect? I said, I answer the phone. I check my emails. I don't have to go out and race around. I have enough solid customers over the past decades to keep me supported. And I make sure that I'm, for the new customers, I make sure I'm easy to find. Most of you aren't selling books, but for instance, if you bought a copy of the clothes, if, if you bought a copy of the closers, you already know this. On the first cover, first page uh, of the book, there's my, in, in addition to the stuff that's printed all over the front and back of the book, there's my business card, one of those peel off the back sticky business cards. You can't get it out. It will be there till the day this book goes to its just reward. And then, so you can read and take uh keep track of where you are in the book it also comes with a bookmark and the bookmark looks like a elongated vision of my uh, version of my business card in that it has phone numbers websites etc cetera, etc cetera, mailing addresses and so on i make it easy to find me so not counting what's printed in the book if you've ever bought a book from me you've gotten at least two business card-like devices. If you bought a full set, every one had two in it. I make myself easy to find. I give unconditional lifetime money-back guarantees on everything that we sell, uh, physical products. I can't repossess a speech. Although I give you an example of uh, uh, getting known for doing well, I once did a seminar in uh, Fresno, California. 
and I don't, I've only been to Fresno four or five times in my life, but it's a place. And I don't really remember the details, but I felt like the devil. I did not do a good job. And there were a couple of personal things going on in my life that were probably on my mind. And I did a crummy seminar. Technically, all the information was there. Everything's I've memorized over the years. But the presentation wasn't up to par. The crowd wasn't engaged because of me. Uh, and uh, so on. at the end of the seminar, I said to them, I may not have all of your names and addresses. So I want you to write it down or give me your business card now before you leave the room. Because when I get back to the office, we're sending each of you a refund. I don't charge for this low quality of work. 5,000 paid appearances, another 5,000 free, I'm guessing, to uh, prisons and churches and charitable organization. In all of those presentations, two and a half million people, only the crowd in Fresno that day, a couple hundred people, I'm guessing, a couple hundred people deserve their money back, and I gave it back to them. Now, that's sad. Here's the good news. I got numerous, I, I don't, don't have them written down or memorized. I'm guessing I got 10 or 12 fully paid speaking engagements as a result of that confession and my refund. And no one in the room had any complaint. They got plenty of information and their money back. So no one could walk out of the room saying he's a no good SOB. Don't ever go to see him. So you can even clean up your messes, but become the resident expert and gently guide them to it. And for those of you who listen to more than one of these that Denise and I have done, let me give you just a little bit more about how to make it, how to get your 86% closing rate. You only sell, if you've got a pen and paper, write this down. You only sell quality products or services that are competitively priced. They don't have to be the cheapest because your product or service has something that no other product and service of its kind has. They have you. You come with your package. I've had many people say to me, well, yours is a thousand, whatever it was I was selling, yours is a thousand dollars more than XYZ. True. And aren't they about the same in quality? Uh, true, we think we're better, or I wouldn't be selling this. But here's the difference you're looking for. With this product, you get me and my personal word that we will stand behind it. If the company ever gave you any static, I'd be on your side, not the company's side. So, and here's my business card, and I'll flip it over and write my personal cell phone number on the back that rings in my pocket. If you ever have a problem, you don't have to go to the BBB or call corporate, whatever that means. You call the number on the back of the card. I will answer and or voicemail will answer and I'll get right back to you. So that's why it costs a little more. You get me. I, I, I'm sure somebody has, but I don't recall anybody saying, well, that's not worth it. <laughs> oh. I'd, I'd rather pay less and not have to deal with you. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but that's fine, too. If that's their attitude, tell me. 
where my big clothes, Denise, you and I have discussed this many times, my favorite clothes, I must know 500. I've written 35 books, mostly about personal development, selling and closing. So I must have written 500 different closes, totally different closes, versions thereof, maybe 2,000 different closes. But the one I use 95% of the time a lot of times I don't have to use a close because they will say, okay, let's write it up. I love it when they close. But uh, I'll say, okay, Denise, based on what we've discussed, or I'll say, Denise, based on uh, what you've told me, here's what I suggest we, I'm emphasizing we more here than I would in a real presentation, Here's what I suggest we do. See, we is Team C. We're both on Team C. I'm just the resident expert. You're the CEO, so I can make a suggestion, but it's your decision. Here's what I suggest we do. Fill in the blank. Buy 1,500 widgets, uh, whatever. Fair enough. And if you've done it right, 86% of the time, in my case, they say, yeah, that's fair enough. Or it smokes out their last remaining objection, the uh, uh, which for some reason didn't I, I didn't ask the right question. They withheld it. I wasn't listening. Whatever smokes out your their last remaining objection. That's fine because when we started the conversation, they had two hundred objections. Now we're down to one. So I'm going to win. If I'm doing it on the computer or on the phone, I start writing up the order right then. It may take them a minute or two to make it official, but I'm writing it up because I know they've bought. And that's another benefit of my type of selling. Uh, when they decide to buy, whether they've said it out loud or not, doesn't make any difference. I you, feel know, an, you can tell. I, yeah, I feel an atmospheric pressure change in the room, over the computer, on the phone, whatever. I feel an atmospheric pressure change. The example I always give, you're sitting in a room by yourself, the door is shut. Somebody opens the door behind you. Probably your eardrums and your senses and maybe some peripheral vision, you'll know the door was open with your back to it. I feel that atmospheric pressure change. And then we're just wrapping up details. You might have a few more words you want to say, but I know the sale has been made. And that's a tremendous feeling of confidence. It's a, a lot of fun. And in the 14%, the 14,000 people that said no to me, a healthy percentage of those, it wasn't an objection. I've discovered through experience, it was a condition. You can't really overcome a serious condition. The most common serious condition is they don't have the money. They, they'd love to buy it. They're out of objections. They like, know, trust you, and feel safe with you, but they don't have the money. That's a condition. Stay in touch. Be their friend. Someday, they probably will have the money. And wrapping up on this little section on that, uh, I also discovered over the years in selling high ticket items, business opportunities, and so on, sufficiently inspired just about anybody can get just about any amount of money. 
if they kidnap your favorite child. Maybe you have one that wouldn't bother you so much, but if they if they <laughs> kidnap your favorite your favorite <laughs> child, people who don't have two nickels to rub together come up with a million dollar ransom. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. So they want the kid back. So sufficiently when Jimmy Rucker and I joined Holiday Magic Cosmetics. Bill Dempsey went through the circles that you do when you're selling multi-level stuff. And this is you and this is them and so on. And then he said, and, which, and we have four positions, which position best suits your needs? So we picked organizer, $91.41, as did Zig Ziglar, who was in the same meeting. There were only three of us there because each of us could perhaps raise $91.41. Dempsey graciously took it. Thank you very much. Even though we had to go get Rucker's paycheck to finance our 9141. I think Zig just wrote him a check. But he, he said, thank you and close the sale. That's another little secret. Wrap it up. Take what you got. But then he said, now, let me explain to you why you you may want to do more than that now or soon or whatever. And he went on and re-explained some things. And rather quickly, we discovered we should be general distributors. And that was a $5,000 investment in today's money, $50,000. I didn't have enough money. Literally, we had to run the gate to get my car out of the parking lot because it was in a trust company of Georgia building in Atlanta. And when we drove in, I didn't notice it was $3 unless you were a customer with a validated something or other. So when we came around the corner and I saw the guy leaning out of his booth with his hand up, I just didn't make contact. I looked up at West Peachtree Street above uh, up the ramp and just kept going uh, with him going, hey, hey. So I didn't have... The 9141 we just pledged didn't have $3 to get out of the parking lot between the two of us. And yet uh, a week or 10 days later, we gave Dempsey a certified check for $5,000 because I was sufficiently inspired, borrowed some, collected some debts. Uh, Rucker did the same thing. Uh, but because we were sufficiently inspired, we came up with $5,000. Having not been able to get the car out of the parking lot for three dollars, so that's the. It's all about relationship building. No matter what chapter we cover in any of the books that I write, when you boil it all down, it's sell yourself first, gain their trust and confidence, because people buy from people they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe. Sell yourself first if you sell the company you're with, and yourself first, the product within reason almost becomes incidental. You endorsed it, so it's good. We have people who buy uh, the closers books and so on because they look at the top of it in a bookstore and it says it's approved by the National Association of Professional Salespeople. That's endorsed by somebody else. It's the reason testimonials are so powerful uh, because you may or may not believe it if I say it, but if a third party endorses you, your products or services, it's the truth. Even better is when they endorse your product, service, and yourself. 
So I hope you've pulled yourself together enough to ask a question or two uh, or volunteer something. Because that's did. the end of that speech. I've been listening very carefully. I was going. There's two things come to mind. I was listening. I deliberate. I had a week last week where I had two pretty important webinars that I wanted to sit in on, and I had to, they were simultaneous, and I really wanted to know what was going on with both of them. So I had my iPad on the desk, listening or watching one of them, and the one I really wanted to pay attention to, I had on my big screen on my desk, and multiple times been during the, the conversation and I I trust this guy. I have purchased from him one time before and have been very glad that I did. And he's got a heck of a reputation in the arena where he, he works. I mean an excellent, excellent reputation. And he would say things like, Well, are you following me? You know, he would I swear to you, he has read your book because he would say, you know, are we okay here? You know, and I can't remember exactly, but there are a few times when, oh, he's read Ben's book. I recognize <laughs> that. And of course, and it was a three and a half hour webinar and I bought early on and I had to do some scrambling, you know, moving money around and going, oh, I was not going to walk out of there without having that product because, I mean, I've been working it day in, day out and oh my God. It's it's worth three times what they charged for it. And I'm not going to tell you what it was because it's it's done with now and unless they reissue it. But it it was amazing. So I'm going okay. That was that's straight out of the closers. That hey hey hey, I know that guy. <laughs> but I had bought from him before and I had immense trust in him. So there was that. And as it turned out, it wasn't near. I mean, I was going to pay whatever it took. I really was. Turns out it wasn't that bad. I was like, whew. And I didn't buy the other product because it really wasn't what I was looking for at the time. But I did stay to the end. And, you know, I was my head was swiveling for three and a half hours. <laughs> but, but it was amazing. It was an amazing webinar. I learned so much. But he would did what you're talking about. He'd say, OK, for those of and they had questions going in the chat all the time. And I remember thinking multiple times, some of these questions are telling me and you know, the operators of this webinar that some of these people should not be buying. They're simply not ready. So mm -hmm. they, they weren't trying to talk them into anything. In fact, to the contrary, they were saying, listen, if you are not ready for this, if you don't understand this, we'll be doing this again down the road. Don't spend your money today, which I thought was pretty excellent. Part. Really yeah. excellent. Yeah. But that's I, an effect. I could be cynical and say that's a takeaway close. But besides that, because it can be a technique, it's a wonderful way to sell people, buy from people they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe. And if you didn't feel safe before they told you not to buy, you do now. I bought okay. early in. I mean, I was yeah. an hour into it, and I was going, okay, where do I what many do okay let's let's make this happen and i got in there and i got it and i'm very pleased that i did but we were talking earlier excuse me we were talking earlier briefly about hurricanes and and roofing and being that this is hurricane season we're now watching florida get florida get pummeled in 2020 we had back-to-back -back hurricanes literally they came knocking they came literally i swear to you knocking at my front door i was not going to miss them they were here and i lost my roof 
I mean, big time lost my roof. It had already been kind of beat up with other storms, but this time it was like, eh, got to go. And off. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm scrambling around like everybody in my part of the country looking for roofers, looking for our insurance. I mean, we, you know, it gets ugly when things like this or, you know, these catastrophes happen. And I had two different stop it. I had two different companies come to me and they were going to give me estimates. I fired the first one. I was like, "Mm." and this guy lived two streets away from me. He said, but I can come by. I said, well, you should have done that yesterday when you said you would. He didn't. But (laughs) I saw you drive past my house, you moron. I did. I saw him drive right past it. But the other one, honestly, and I don't know where this man is now because the insurance companies went bankrupt after all of this, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But he worked so hard to get my roof up and get it, you know, in time. Tarps put down. He did whatever he could. And I wanted a black roof. I didn't want, my house is red. So putting a sandy colored roof on it, hang on a second, I'm sorry, was just going to be icky. But that's all they had. And they had supply chain issues. You can imagine. I won't go into a whole lot of it. But I said, I really want a dark roof. I want black if I can get it. And he said, Miss Denise, we're not going to be able to find it. And he explained to me everything. And he said, if we do find it, it is going to be additional cost because it's not the normal color that we can buy in bulk. I said, I understand. And just about the time I was going, I'm going to have an ugly roof, but I need a roof. He found it. All right. And it only cost me an extra thousand dollars, which given what I was anticipating, I was fine with that. And it's a beautiful roof and I'm very happy with it. And I don't know where he went. I don't know if he's still working in that, but if I ever came across this guy, I'd hire him for anything in a heartbeat. Sure. And and what was the name of the roofing manufacturer? I don't even know. I know. That was the reason I asked you. I don't know. <laughs> it's not got, important. It's him. And I've got a bag of shingles in my garage that have never been opened. <laughs> they left them here. And I look at it all the time going, oh, if I ever need those. I couldn't tell you where they came from. I don't know what they are. But you're right. But I remember him. Absolutely. And that's that's the uh, uh, the secret of effective selling, you know. And if I had had that experience with him, a when I needed another roof, and you won't because he sold you the right one, unless right. you move to a new house, you're out of the roofing business. Uh, you know, with a twenty five or thirty five year guarantee, you're done. And uh, the we're having roofs put on two of our houses, and the guy said, "Do you want the fifty year?" Uh, roof or the whatever I said Gigi is 71 I just turned 81 I want the roof that lasts as long as we do (laughs) and my you can talk to my son about uh, the 50-year roof when and if it's needed right now I want the we settled on 30 he said you may not live to see the end of it but Gigi will (laughs) I said well thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you but you go when I asked you what was the manufacturer of the roof, you didn't know I could okay. guess because I deal in that stuff all the time. But I knew you were going to say you didn't know because it wasn't important. He was important 
And in the future, he will be important again. If he knocked on your door and said, hi, I'm selling vacuum cleaners now. Uh, I'd let him be, in. Yeah, you'd let oh, him in. Yeah, you bet. And I don't let anybody in. But so, I mean, I was so impressed by the way. I mean, he just really went out of his way and he would show up here in the pouring rain because after hurricane, there's always more weather events. They don't just go away. And, you know, he would show up here dripping wet saying, okay, you know, we need to go look at this, this, and this. He would bring people with him. They would measure, they would do whatever had to happen. And look, I would get text messages from him at midnight. He might be in Mississippi he could be anywhere because he traveled all over the place, but he stayed on top of what people like me really needed. Oh, that's fantastic. Cute little hurricane story. My mom and stepdad are both gone, as is my dad, but my uh, former godfather, then stepfather, married my mother. They lived in Calabash, North Carolina, right near Little River, where North and South Carolina come together on the ocean and here came hugo hurricane hugo which was a killer yeah well, they yeah they read the weather reports and all and uh hopped in the car they're both golfers and took off for pinehurst north carolina famous golf resort where they would be safe hugo because it was a little ridge line in calabash came ashore hit that ridge line bounced up in the air these are not weather terms but to me bounced up in the air which you know took it over calabash and it came back down did all sorts of damage and followed them up the interstate all the way to pinehurst and ripped the roof off of their ho hotel at pinehurst ripped the roof off <laughs> mother said, I, I guess god sent that hurricane for us it had to track us for several hundred miles and find us hiding in a hotel room. And then several days later, when they returned home in their yard, which they fled for their lives, they had one branch down. Oh. Out of, <laughs> out, of, out of a pine tree or something, you know, which would have come down anyway. Because right. right. that, that's what they do. So you got they, they're talking about it in Florida. The governor saying, you know, if you've been asked to evacuate, evacuate, probably a good idea. But it does raise the question to me, to where? That's you don't know where this thing is going. No, you yeah. don't. When I, when I went to bed, it was going to Tampa St. Pete. When I woke up, it missed Tampa St. Pete. Tallahassee was safe when I went to bed. Now it's being ripped up. That's so, exactly right. I, you know, when Hurricane Andrew came through, I did. That's the only time I've ever evacuated. I'll never do it again. It's dangerous. People nope. die out there. You know, I mean, I remember being stuck in trap. You run out of gas, your car, it, anything can happen. And I remember this poor girl going up and down. You know, I mean, we were all stalled. We couldn't move for hours. And I was only trying to get to Shreveport. It took me eight and a half hours to get from here to Shreveport, which is normally about a three-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> but this poor girl had a brand spanking new baby. They left their home. They had no diapers. They had no milk. They had no formula. They had nothing. So people from the cars all over were handing her fried chicken and handing her. You know, <laughs> if they had food in the car, they were saying, eat this. You know, maybe you can nurse. We didn't know what to do. I mean, it, it was just. But, you know, sometimes evacuating is almost more dangerous, honestly. Yeah. Just stay in put. Did you see that? Uh those Looney Tunes block the road going to Burning Man. 
Yeah, uh, that's my favorite video of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't know not to mess with the tribal police. Apparently, the tribal police. One of the talking heads said, "Oh, we had them come into New York to help us with something." He said, "They are something." <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, the tribal police have a little different attitude towards. They do. I mean, they protests. held them at gunpoint and arrested them, and I, yeah. I was jumping up and down, going, "Yay!" <laughs> I'm but not anyway, those these people. people blocked the road. You're talking about evacuating. Blocked the road. The backup was miles long. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred degree, hundred and ten degree temperature most of the hey, day. You can die in that. You can die, and you can run out of gas or electricity or whatever is your whatever you're doing. They could have killed lots of people. Uh, so there's one of those things, and that wasn't an evacuation. But I, I am. If you ever see a large crowd gathered anywhere, you can take bets that Ben Gay isn't in it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and I, I took a crowd to, I'd, I'd took be willing crowd. to run over him. I really would. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Did that hurt? Yeah. I'll drive slow so you have an option. You can get out of the way or slowly have your legs broken. Up to you. <laughs> we are mean people. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid people. And if we've offended you. any of our listeners, I'm oh, wow. very, very sorry. I'm not. <laughs> you can be sorry. I will stick to my guns because I'm seriously stupid. People bother me. They always have. And you cannot tell me this is a whole nother topic, but you cannot tell me that these people are not out there being paid to do this. They didn't just wake up and go, oh, I'm going to go block the roads. Yeah. They're being paid. It's a job. Many, many are. Uh, the I don't know about that particular crowd, but many are. Uh, some of the people who do the law enforcement work around them have said, you know, around things like that, they've gotten where they call. One will be in New York, next will be in North Carolina, then it'll be in Idaho or wherever. And they find themselves addressing the protesters or whatever by name. Oh, hi, Bob. Good to see you here again. You know, <laughs> Because he gets travel expenses and a hundred dollars a day or whatever. Mama must be so proud. <laughs> Seriously, we we've covered a lot. Let's get back to the real topic before I lose my voice and we lose track here. So the better resolutions, in, in from what I'm listening to you, Ben. In essence, it's your responsibility as a salesperson to guide your customers towards a better resolution, which is what you just said. And one that goes beyond their initial assumptions and then empathizing with their situation. Yeah. Can they afford it? Can they not educating them about the full scope of your products or services, which is, you know, what happened in this webinar that was so phenomenal. I can't believe I sat there for three and a half hours. I didn't budge. I mean, it was fascinating. Psychologically, I knew I was going to buy. I knew they had what I wanted, what I needed. I was just going to have to find a way to, you know, move my budget around to do that. Somebody's at my door. But I knew that I was going to do it. But watching them, the psychology was astonishing. Yeah, I, I love a good sales presentation and good learning within it if there is any my favorite again crowds i find out when the slowest day is at the county fair which comes once a year has restarted once a year after covid and uh 
uh, I make Gigi go with me because I go to the uh, the aisle with the food shoppers and the and you know the whatever is the latest gadget, the lint gatherer, and so on, just to hear the presentations. I just love it because they've been refined over the years, and generally they're very good products uh, because that you won't last long on that circuit if they're not either the promoter. Uh, the organizer will throw you off or lack of sales will throw you off. But when it's a good product properly presented, to me, it's almost irresistible. Um, yeah, it is. And if when you get into the product or the, the service or whatever it is that you purchased and you find out that they actually didn't give you all of the information you needed because there's so much more, that's when you're walking around going, holy geez on a stick. Yep, And that was my experience. So will I buy from this guy again? Oh, heck yeah. If it's something that will further my business, you bet I will. Sure. You're, you're a customer for life. Oh, that's something I probably should have said earlier. You're a customer for life unless uh, he or she does something to screw up that relationship. They now have you for life. You may not buy everything they sell over the years, but you're a highly qualified prospect because they treated you properly, did what they said they were going to do. You got the results you had hoped for. And so you're in, you're a customer for life. Exactly. Well, listen, Ben, we're just about done here. So tell people where they can find the closers. Listen, everybody, if you don't have an entrepreneurial library just yet, this is a great way to start it. I have one. I have hundreds of books in this room. <clears throat> Excuse me. And every single book came from my podcast guest. Ben was an early guest a long time ago. I've got his books. I read them all the time. In fact, Ben, when you mentioned uh, sales infiltration, and mm -hmm. I just took a picture of my cat's laying on your book. But <laughs> I, I picked up the book. I scooted it out from Hamilton is an ass. It's his name. And I picked up the book again, and it went straight to page 257. I've opened it so many times. <laughs> it's got its own muscle memory. So tell people where they can find the sales Bibles, also known as the closers, and where they can find you and connect with you to get in learn more about your mentorship program well uh where they can get the books the best place to get them because they have special pricing at this site and free shipping i don't offer either one at our website uh, and still has a lifetime money back guarantee etc and uh, they're brought to me by that company for signing and dating so you lose nothing except you pay less and get free shipping. If you go to stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com forward slash all one word Ronzoni books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S. Uh, that handles the book part and you get special pricing on everything. And I think every book we sell is up there if it's part of the sales training closers series. And I would recommend at least the closers parts one and two. Uh, and the other books wouldn't be there if I hadn't written them, endorsed them, et cetera. So I really, within your budgetary means, recommend all of them now or later. As for mentoring, 
and just direct contact with me, just shoot me an email. I'm easy to find. My email is B as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, the number three, BFG3 at directcon.net, D-I-R-E-C-T-C-O-N-net, N-E-T, all one word, of course. And uh, I will get back to you immediately. It doesn't go to some service or virtual assistant. I read all of my emails and respond appropriately. And now, Denise, tell them with your troubled throat how they can get in touch with you with all of your great services. Oh, I'm easy to find. Just You can go type in your partner in Success Radio online, and you can't not find us. You can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting us. You can go to denisegriffiths.com, which is where I'm uploading everything that Ben and I are doing. Or you can go to your partner in successradio.com. And I can be found, email is support at yourofficeontheweb.com. And listen, everybody, we like to, to uh, hear from you. We want to hear your questions about sales, about podcasting, about success, whatever you think we need to, to chat about. Send us your questions. We'll be happy to answer them on the show well i appreciate you struggling through it i know how aggravating that can be and even painful so uh, you're a brave soldier denise and i want you to everyone listening to know that i and the national association of professional Salespeople endorse denise griffiths her products and her services she's as good as they get thank you ben i'll put the check in the mail Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) See, now I'm going to start choking again. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we will see you next week. And in the meantime, you can listen to all of our episodes by looking for your partner in Success Radio. And again, get in touch with us. We're here to help you. Ben, what do we want to talk about next week? Um, (laughs) Excuse me. I caught whatever you have. Let's let it be a surprise. What I hope it is, uh, we can do a chapter in one of the books, but what I hope it is, is questions from our listeners. So shoot shoot either Denise or me an email and tell us what your question is. And if it's of general interest uh, to more than perhaps just you, uh, I can almost assure you, you'll hear it read and answered. Perfect. Well, thank you, everybody, and we will see you next weekend. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Have a great day.